When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone. Today, I'll be chatting with Dr. Marissa Aaron. Dr. Marissa Aaron is a doctor of physical therapy, specializing in infant and toddler development. She founded Mom and Me PT, her physical therapy practice in South Florida, to provide families with the support and education they deserve regarding their baby's movement milestones. Her passion is teaching parents simple ways they can guide their babies through each movement milestone, rather than waiting and hoping for them to happen on their own. Dr. Aaron offers an online milestone course, which breaks down exactly how to help babies reach every movement milestone. Rather than the typical timelines that tell you when each milestone is supposed to happen, this course teaches you exactly how to make it happen. The link to this course is in the show notes. In today's episode, we chat about how to set up your home for purposeful play, certain activities you can do with your child to help support their motor development in different stages of infanthood and toddlerhood, and so much more. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, everyone. Today, we have Dr. Marissa Aaron here on the podcast. Welcome, Dr. Aaron. Hi, thank you for having me. All right. So today, I want to talk specifically about how we can create a home that is going to be a home where babies and toddlers can be supported in their motor development skills as they kind of grow older. And so we've definitely talked on this podcast before about specific milestones that your baby or toddler is going to try to achieve within those first few years. But I would love to touch on just like more specific things that we can do with our child at home just to help support them in that development. But I would love for you to start off with just, you know, why you decided to go into uh, pediatric physical therapy and what some of the most common cases you come across are. Yeah, I would love to. So I think I always just in general loved working with kids and especially babies and toddlers or what I specialize in. So, you know, it's hard to have a bad day when you're playing with babies all day. So I feel like that one is just a given. But in terms of what I'm really seeing a lot of these days, it's been really interesting. Over the past several years, I almost feel like we are seeing more and more developmental delays. And it seems really related to a few different factors. I think the sleeping on the back is one piece that's really playing a big role. And I'm not knocking that. I'm sure you know that that's helpful for certain reasons. I think containers are a huge reason. And I would love to get into that a little bit. 
And I think just our lifestyle in general, you know, we're all so busy these days that it kind of lends itself to maybe more time in the car seat and things like that. And all of these things are surmountable, right? There are just, if we spend 15 minutes a day, just really purposefully and intentionally playing with our babies on the floor, then, then we're okay. You know, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not that those things are huge issues as long as we are intentionally counteracting them basically. So I think the biggest things I see are those asymmetrical movements, you know, doing things in certain directions and not the other. And then just in general, like core weakness and imbalanced muscle activation. So you mentioned containers. Can you talk a little bit more about that specifically? Okay, for sure. (laughs) So containers in general are swings, bouncers, standers, et cetera, et cetera. The ones that I really would love to call out and talk specifically about are the standers, the walkers, and the jumpers. Those to me, I feel like are the biggest issues and the biggest obstacles in terms of development. Um, So standers are the ones where you put your baby in, they're kind of in a standing position, in a sling, but they can't go anywhere. Walkers are the ones that it's basically that exact setup, but it's on wheels so they can walk around. And then jumpers are the ones that are like hanging in a doorway usually, and it looks like they're on Mm -hmm. bungee cords. Those to me are some of the biggest culprits in developmental delay because there's this weird misconception that these devices help babies learn to stand and walk when the research shows that they really do the exact opposite and really kind of teach patterns that are not natural, that are not ideal, and that don't really translate into normal standing and walking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like for those that, I mean, some of these some of these parents are working and doing all the things at once right. while trying to also watch their kids. So it's easy to put them into a space where Absolutely. you know that they're safe. So Absolutely. what are what are the other options you would give for, for those parents that need to be, I don't know, cooking dinner or trying to do something else while being there with their baby? Like what would you suggest? For sure. And I don't want anyone to feel guilty. Like if you have to put your baby in a standard for 15 minutes so you can do life, your baby's going to be fine, right? But in general, the best option is being on the floor. So my favorite thing is having a pen, you know, one of those wooden or um, screen kind of material pens. Maybe you have a little foam mat or those foam tiles on the ground where they're enclosed and they're safe, but they can still move around and be free and grow and, you know, practice all of those skills. Yeah. So I, with our first, I have all these pictures from my mother-in-law and this is not, I mean, she was great, you know, and, and I had some of the same things. Like I had jumpers. I had all the things. Yeah, when you're yeah, a first time yeah. mom, you want all the things. You want all the things. Yeah. And she would send me pictures. She would like take a picture and she was like in a walker. And I remember mm. it wasn't that I thought the walker was going to be, you know, detrimental like for motor development. Mm-hmm. I was afraid that she was just going to like fall down the stairs. Yeah. Like, and that's a real concern. You know I mean? That's real. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it's like things that you don't even think about. You're like, oh, shoot. I didn't realize like they're not using any of their core or, you know, any of these things. You don't think about that when you buy these things. Totally. So I guess like how often are you seeing patients that come into you and you're able to like exactly pinpoint, oh, they might have spent too much time in this X, Y, or Z? Like is it – it's pretty common or – I mean, I'm seeing patients every single day who are having that core weakness and that – when I say imbalanced muscle activation, it's usually too strong – to simplify it, like in the back of their body, like straightening, mm-hmm. extending, standing mm-hmm. position, too strong with that and not strong enough in the front of their mm-hmm. body. So I'm seeing that every single day. In terms of being able to really pinpoint it to, let's say, this specific container, it's challenging because there are usually there are usually a few different factors 
Mm -hmm. But I think in general, like the epidemic of it that I'm seeing these days, that's the only thing. Back sleeping and containers are really the only clear things that make sense in terms of what's changed, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And of course, you know, in the consumer market that we're in, uh, these brands are just going to keep popping out like a million toys that, you know, exactly. these specific unlimited marketing budgets. Oh, yeah, you know what you need to do? That's what you need to do. You need to create something that helps the motor development specifically, and yours will just sell out, and then you won't need to work anymore. Right? Okay, so I'm, I'm working on it. I actually just launched a course for this exact reason. So I swear, oh my gosh, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things where you somebody creates something and you're like, I cannot believe I didn't think of it. Right. I'm kicking myself like this is not fair. Right. And they're set for life because they made up this thing that I could have easily made up myself, but I didn't. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So is there anything that you can recommend for parents, like if they were to get one thing or two things on their registry that would be supportive of their motor development and not like a container, what would those few things be? I'm just curious. Okay. Let's see. Um, So that pen and that like play mat are number one for me. Number two would be something like a, I think they're usually called climb and crawl play sets or something like that where they're It's usually a little set that comes with a wedge and a cube and a cylinder. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of for those, I use them for the entire first year, but mostly um, that like sitting to standing type of age Mm -hmm. that really gives them surfaces to to climb on, to experiment on, to get onto their Mm -hmm. knees, to get into standing. So something like that. What else? And then I think a big one that sometimes gets missed are like stationary toys. So a lot of those little toys that have a bunch of little pieces to them and that your baby can grab the piece that they want and then go back and sit down, for example, or go back to the ground. Those sometimes for little ones who already, you know, maybe have a bit of an obstacle in their path, those lend themselves to your baby being able to to stay where they're at. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus yeah. some of those bigger stationary toys. And by stationary, I mean, they can't grab them and bring them to them. They have to go to the toy and stay at mm-hmm. the toy. Those really lend themselves to essentially, I won't say forcing, but kind of forcing your baby to to be where you want them to be, whether it's on their knees or standing or something that might be challenging for them. But if they want to play with that toy, then they have to do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like one of those, we had like one of those big activity cubes. Mm -hmm. It was like they could pull up to stand and then they could play with the stuff on top, but then they can also sit and then play with the stuff that was on the sides too. So things like standing tables where it's a little, you know, activity surface on four legs. I love those because you can actually take two of the legs off of them. So Mm -hmm. for those like sitting and kneeling stages, it becomes a diagonal surface that they can sit in front of or kneel in front of. And then when they're standing, you can put those two legs back on and they can stand at it. So you can get a ton of use out of stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So we're supposed to be, we're talking about purposeful play today. So I actually... Would love to hear, and I just thought of this, so I hope I don't throw you for a loop by asking you to do <laughs> no, this, but I want you to. Okay, so I'm a new mom. I'm not, but I'm <laughs> pretending I'm a new mom, and I want to create a space in my home for purposeful play for my new baby. And I would love for you to kind of discuss what your ultimate 
room would look like Mm -hmm. for the age range of like zero to 12 months, but then also like toddlerhood, like that two to three years. Mm. How would it differ? I know. How would it differ? And what would you have in there? Like if, you know, with your own child. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Unlimited budget. I'm imagining my most spectacular (laughs) playroom that I can. (laughs) Let's see. So I think space. Sometimes I walk in, because I work in people's homes. Sometimes I walk into the home and maybe they have a little playpen, but there's 20 million toys in it. Mm. So that's one thing is lots of just open space, number one. Then maybe there's a couple of those kind of stationary toys like we just mentioned. So maybe there's a standing table that's kind of on its side so we can do some sitting and kneeling kind of in one corner. Maybe there's a cube, something similar to like a couch cushion basically on the Mm -hmm. floor that they can kind of climb on in another corner. So kind of obstacles or things like that that they can play with. One of my favorite things, and this is also kind of for that sitting, kneeling, standing age, is just a vertical, like a sliding glass door. Mm-hmm. So I use a ton of suction cup toys at a sliding glass door. You can use sticky notes, you can use painter's tape, whatever you have. But to get a little one kneeling or standing at a vertical surface like that, where they can't lean their whole chest and body against it to cheat, essentially, mm. that's a huge, huge help to get them kind of shifting their weight backwards, really using their core, using their glutes and supporting their own weight. So a sliding glass door is definitely in that room. Um, <laughs> you're like 15,000, 15,000, like $1,500 in the hole right now. So Listen, you, you told me to dream. <laughs> for an older kid, for a toddler, maybe there's a little like trampoline, one of those trampolines with the handle that goes across <laughs> it and some steps. I do a ton. Once kiddos are walking or, or even learning to walk, I do a ton of stepping up and down. So something that they can step up and down off of. That's really that's really all you need, honestly. Mm-hmm. Would you add anything for as they're growing, you know, into like that age two, three range? That's what I'm thinking about the trampoline is for that two, three mm-hmm. range. I wouldn't do a ton of that before necessarily. What else? For that two, three range, I like things like balance bikes and things like that, but I don't know that that's an indoor activity. Mm-hmm. Mm, maybe a little balance beam would be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. We recently got one of those, um, what do you call them? Like just like an exercise, a gymnastics bar, I guess you could call it. Yeah, you know, like it's yeah. just like a one that can, and it can hold up to like 150 pounds or something, which I, I was like looking for one specifically that like even my oldest could fool around with and, it, and you know, has adjustable heights. Mm-hmm. But you know, our kids just like love swinging from that thing. And you can, <laughs> you can also like build some pretty epic forts from it as well. So there's yes. like, you know, but it's just like hanging out in my living room and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm counting down the days until I can get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just got it. So, you know, but I'm like, oh man. Um, hanging, hanging is a great activity. Think of like your CrossFit workout where you're getting yeah. all of that shoulder and ab activation. Hanging yeah. is awesome. We you know what too, we were, we were doing is I have these like, um, these bands that I use for pull-ups, like downstairs mm-hmm, like in mm-hmm. our gym. And so I brought those up and I, I tied them on there and I was like, okay, now you guys are going to learn how to do pull-ups. And they love hanging. I they love use it. them as swings too. Yes. So, yes. It's like an investment to get this gymnastics bar, but there's so many things that you can do with it that is just not your simple standard, like, okay, I'm going to swing on this. Right. They were using this, this band as a swing. Like they put their butt in it and they hold onto the bar and they swing back and forth That's on so it. so fun. Or they'll like, 
put their, you know, tummy, tummy down and they just, they make up stuff, you know, like they figure it out and it's, um, it's pretty fun to watch like how, what they create with it. But. That's the biggest key I think to purposeful play is like, I, if I have a toy that a kid is interested in, I can accomplish any goal with that toy. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't need anything particular. I get creative. So let's say they really like little cars and I want to work on standing balance. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of an older kid, maybe maybe in that two, three range, let's say. So I'm going to put that car, the baby, the kid is standing. I'm going to put that car on the top of their foot. And I'm going to say, okay, you have to pick up your car and dump it in this basket I have right here using just your foot. Mm-hmm. So now they're standing on one leg, but all I had was a little bucket and some cars, you know? Yeah. So it, that's really the biggest key, I think, to purposeful play in general is have your goal, have the thing you kind of want to work on, have one thing that your kid is interested in at the moment, and then you just get creative and you make it work. Yeah, absolutely. I would love for you to to talk about maybe just a few things in maybe each age range, so just like baby and then toddler, Yeah. of just of like some specific activities that like you as a as a parent would would do with your own child just to help them along. Just like it could be something really super simple. But just like just some ideas for activities, because I know like as a new parent, what I would do, I didn't do this with my second, third or fourth because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's impossible to do a schedule. Right. But I, I, I mean, I kid you not, I had this is my type A coming out, but like I had a schedule, like written down schedule oh God, like from you. 1210 to 1230. No, I would you didn't. Oh, you. I I did. And then I threw that thing right out when I had my second kid. But <laughs> I mean, like we would have this play schedule of I did tummy time here. I did this play here. We would practice sitting from here to here. Like, I mean, That's seriously, it was, it was cuckoo bananas. Yeah, what I guess it's incredible, but it's cuckoo. <laughs> but if you could make your schedule for your child, whether they're, I don't know what you want to break it down into as far as age ranges, but what, what type of activities would you do with them? Yeah. Okay. Let's think. So for that, let's say zero to three month age. It's going to be really simple, right? So maybe you have your little one laying on their back and you're holding a card, you know, a black and white card or a toy they like to look at. And you're just really slowly moving it from side to side, all the way, like a rainbow shape from the floor and up and around and down to the floor. And you're working on visual tracking. That's purposeful play for that age. So, you know, it can be very basic. Maybe for that age, I have my little one laying on the side, on their side. And I'm holding, let's say, a rattle that they're kind of touching, or it's even like a soft blanket that they're touching. And maybe I move it an inch away. So I work on kind of reaching their arm out, something like that, or reaching across midline, right? So they're on their back again, they're reaching up for a toy, and you're kind of just moving it an inch over. So they have to reach to that other side. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of those those early months. For more like that four, five, six, where we're kind of working on sitting, I might sit behind my little one, put their hands on the ground. So I, I like to start working on sitting with both hands on the ground. It's called prop sitting. And maybe I am just holding something in front of them that they like to look at since I don't really want them Mm -hmm. using their hands at that moment. So something like that you can do, or tummy time is a big, is a big one during that age range. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're on their tummy, they're five or six months old. And rather than putting toys in front of them to reach for, okay, this is huge actually, rather than putting toys in front of your little one in tummy time, put them off to the side because when they're reaching straight forward, they end up getting a lot of use of those back muscles. They're like arching Mm -hmm. themselves upwards. And these days, those little ones already have really, really strong backs. If you put the toy off to their side, 
Now they're side bending. They have to rotate. They kind of have to shift their weight towards one side to reach up with the other arm. It becomes so much more beneficial and complex. Mm-hmm. So they're reaching to the side and then maybe you move it a little bit further away so that they have to start turning in a circle, you know, that pivoting that starts to happen around that age. So that's the stuff I would be playing with at that age. Mm-hmm. More like that seven, eight, nine months. Now a huge one that I think gets missed a lot is side sitting. So your little one is already sitting by themselves. Now you take the toy that they want and you put it off to their side. They have to lean over and reach for it and mm-hmm. hopefully lean on one arm. And you take their back leg and you just kind of flip it under, you know, so that it's mm-hmm. tucked in and you work on side sitting there. So you can do that and then bring it back to the middle and then bring it back to the side. And that's a really, really beneficial balance activity. Lots of kneeling at that time. So seven, eight months, start to put those things up on that couch cushion, up mm-hmm. on that nugget cushion, up on that cube that you have so that they go from side sitting up onto their knees. This podcast episode is brought to you by Earth Breeze. Did you know that the amount of plastic that is actually recycled is only around 5%? The vast majority of the plastic that people place into their blue recycling bins ends up in landfills and not reused. This is because many of them do not meet the threshold of being recyclable according to certain standards. This is even more of a reason to switch over to Earth Breeze laundry sheets and ditch your large plastic containers of laundry detergent. The laundry sheets will arrive at your doorstep in a small box that looks like a box of dryer sheets. The packaging is lightweight and biodegradable. To give you an idea of how much space you would save in your laundry room, you can fit 720 loads of sheets where you used to fit just one 60-load detergent jug. Each sheet is a liquidless laundry detergent that dissolves 100% in any wash cycle. Just toss that sheet in with your laundry and you're good to go. No mess with the liquid detergent. My favorite part is that it makes it much easier for our kids to do their own laundry now. They can throw their laundry in with a sheet and voila, it's done. I just restocked our laundry sheets and purchased both the scented and unscented. The unscented sheets are great for our daughter's sensitive skin. These sheets are hypoallergenic and dermatologist tested, so you don't need to worry about it affecting anyone's skin when you switch over. Earth Breeze is compatible with high efficiency washers, gray water systems, and septic safe for those of you that have a septic system like us. You can set up a flexible subscription that is easily adjustable and can be paused or canceled at any time. I love that we no longer have to buy those large plastic jugs that take up space in our laundry room, and this makes it much easier for our kids to help us do the laundry. This is just another way to help our environment, which is so incredibly important right now. Try Earth Breeze risk-free. They will give you a full refund if you are not satisfied with the product. No questions asked. Switch from the old-fashioned goo to something new. Right now, my listeners can subscribe to Earth Breeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash Lindsay, that's L-Y-N-Z-Y, to get started. That's earthbreeze.com slash Lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-Y, for 40% off. So it's really just kind of strategically placing things, essentially. And then maybe you give them a little boost at first to kind of show them or help them with what you want them to do. And then it clicks and they really start doing it on their own. Let's see, that last kind of stage, more like 10, 12 months. I love, again, I think doing things at a sliding glass door is one of my favorite things for that age, just so they really are forced not to be leaning forward on that surface. And then I might put that suction cup toy kind of down by their knee. So they have to do a little squatting, lots and lots of squatting I do at that time. Maybe I put, if they're at the couch, I put a kitchen chair a couple steps behind them so that, and I take their toy and I put it on the chair. 
And then they turn and they mm-hmm. take one or two steps to the chair and they play with it. And then I steal their toy again and I put it on the couch. And so then they have to turn and mm-hmm. take a couple steps back to the couch. So all of those are just purposeful play activities, which essentially just means you're playing like you normally would with your kiddo, but you're you're doing something intentional that's helping them work on that next step. Yeah. I love that so Is much. Is that helpful? I mean, that was like, that's amazing, right? Because okay. people listening, I mean, I don't have any babies anymore, but I've had four kids. And like what you said, I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense when you okay, talk perfect. about it, but it's not something that I would have thought about with my own child, right? It's just these simple things that you can do with them. Yeah. And it doesn't require going and spending $150 on a toy. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. I love that. This podcast is brought to you by AG1. AG1 is a daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I gave AG1 a try because I was striving for better gut health and hoping that along with my current exercise routine, it would give me a good energy boost. AG1 is a quick and easy way to get science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients on a daily basis. AG1 has the NSF certification. This certification was created for professional athletes and is the gold standard for clean ingredient nutrition. The certification process is exhaustive and involves testing and verification of each ingredient and every finished batch of AG1. If you want to check out the full ingredient list, you can head over to their website for more details. Perhaps my favorite part about AG1 is how they evolve with science. They cross-reference decades of established research with new clinical studies and biotechnology to bring you the best formulation possible. They already have 52 iterations of AG1 to this day, and they will always strive to be better. I drink AG1 in the morning after my workout with added protein. It's a great way to start the day and gives my body what it needs for fuel. Personally, I love AG1 for the gut optimization. As a busy mom of four, I don't always have time to concentrate on getting everything I need nutritionally for great gut health, and this helps me stay balanced. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Lindsay, that's L-Y-N-Z-Y, for your free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs. That's drinkag1.com slash Lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-Y. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When they're in that toddler range where they, you know, they're running, they're, you know, walking, they're starting to jump and things like that. Mm-hmm. Are there any activities that you can do with them? Or maybe you can like set up for them that might encourage them to do maybe some more individualized play where, you know, you can be cooking in the kitchen and you like set this up for them and they're able to do it alone. Without your... Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get those parents some time to themselves. A whole nother level of creativity. <laughs> Let's think. (laughs) So I think it depends a little bit on your kid's kind of risk-taking level, but Mm -hmm. sometimes they get super into the idea of making an obstacle course for themselves. And you have to do it with them, you know, the first few times. 
but maybe you help them create an obstacle course where, okay, here's a couch cushion and we're going to put, you know, little cars along the couch cushion and you have to do whatever squat to get each one. And then, or or we're going to make three pillows in a row into a balance beam and you have to, the floor is lava. You can't step off the pillows. And then over here next, you're going to put some sort of cube or box or something like that, that they have to step up and then jump off of. And you have a little landing target that they have to jump onto. Um, So like little things like that, that just require paying attention to where their body is in space, I think Mm -hmm. is huge for that age. So it doesn't have to be necessarily a hard skill that they that they really can't do yet, but something that they're already doing, but making them control it a little bit more, slow mm-hmm. it down a little bit more. You know what I mean? So doing things like that. And then once they get into it, and again, depending on their balance and their risk-taking status, they can do that obstacle course and you can say, okay, I want you to do it and yell to me when you're done and I'll hit the timer and I'll tell you how fast it took you, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. All right. So I know you mentioned uh, some of these specific containers can, you know, make muscles stronger mm-hmm. in some areas and then weaker in others, causing, you know, or are causing some unilateral weakness. What are some specific things that parents can look out for that may suggest that their child does have these issues? Like there might be someone listening that's like, oh shit, I definitely put my kid in a jumper. And like you said, kid is probably going to be fine, but like, right, right. how can they assess their child? Or when, when would you start to think that there might be an issue that they might've spent maybe too much time in the jumper or too much time in a container? Yes. Okay. So let's see on the container side of things, like more, let's start more with like the swings and the bouncers and that type of stuff. Some of the issues that you might see with those containers are more of those asymmetrical movement patterns. So that could look like they always keep their head turned in one direction they have a flat head spot, they have started rolling, but they always go over their right shoulder or over their left shoulder. They only go in one direction. Later in life, you might see them crawling with one leg up, you know, like that hitch crawling mm-hmm. or that janky crawl, or they start stepping up to standing, but they're always leading with the same leg. So trying to key in on, okay, they're doing this new thing. Let mm-hmm. me just keep an eye on whether they do it in both directions. That's mm-hmm. number one. In terms of more of that core weakness and the the standers, the jumpers, that's more of that back versus front imbalance. You may see a lot of arching backwards. This is kiddos who spent a ton of time in the baby Bjorn bouncer thingy. Yeah. You know what I mean? They yeah. like to push themselves backwards because that's what gets it moving. So then you put them on the floor and now they look like they're doing bridges where they're lifting their butt up <laughs> off of the floor. You know what I mean? They're like, why is it moving? <laughs> Because they're thrusting themselves backwards into the floor because that's the pattern that now is just normal to them. Or just lots of arching backwards in general, like Mm -hmm. they're on their side and they're trying to roll, but they kind of can't because they're just like totally bent backwards. Mm -hmm. Poor tummy time tolerance is actually a big sign of that muscle imbalance because tummy time, I think this might be surprising to people, is not about having strength in their back. It's really about strength in the front. So being strong at tummy time, having good tummy time tolerance is about being able to push into the floor with your shoulders, mm-hmm. with your arms and with your belly, rather than lift yourself off the floor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. if your little one hates tummy time, it could be that imbalance where they feel like they can't push themselves up to support them. Mm-hmm. So that's something to look out for. 
throwing themselves backwards and sitting. They just <laughs> completely like trust fall backwards <laughs> and fling themselves. That's a big one. Loving to stand. Ooh, okay. This is my like, this is my hot topic. If your kid quote unquote loves to stand and they are four, five, six months old, your kid does not love to stand. They are very imbalanced. <laughs> so that's a really big one to keep an eye on because you can catch that and very easily correct it and course correct at that moment. But those kiddos tend to just keep standing. And then those kiddos may skip crawling. So that's another sign. And toe walking, I think, is probably the last mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I would love for you to touch on, you kind of mentioned it in the very beginning where you were saying like they might prefer looking off to one side. Mm-hmm. They may have flattening on one side. So all of our kiddos, all of our kiddos, but our our first one in particular, she had torticollis, like severe. She was all bent up in my pelvis or something. Yes. Like it was it was a night like she came out like looking totally in the other direction and never stopped. So she needed physical therapy. She needed like everything. And so what are the key things that you're looking for in your newborn or your six-week-old? that you might be worried about like torticollis. And then maybe I guess we should touch on like what torticollis is because that's kind of a big word and it you is know, not everybody word. is is familiar with what that even is. So what is torticollis? And then how can we spot it early on and what interventions, like what should we do? Okay, perfect. So torticollis is a tightness. So by textbook definition, and then I'll caveat this, it's a tightness in the neck that causes your little one to tilt their head in one direction. So when I say tilt, I'm talking about kind of ear towards that shoulder Mm -hmm. and then turn usually in the opposite direction. So you'll see them kind of tilted and then kind of turning away is textbook torticollis. Now my caveat here is I've never seen a baby with only tightness in their neck. Usually the truth is that that tightness extends throughout their whole body and it's not really a neck issue at all. So, but that's, that's what people say, mean when they say torticollis is kind of that Mm -hmm. tilting and that turning. Yep. So if you see that, if you see your little one always liking to turn in one direction, that's a very usually clear one. Sometimes what's not quite as obvious is the tilting piece of things because they get kind of good at cheating where like their body is kind of tilted, but under, you know, under that big onesie that they're wearing, especially when they're that little, all their clothes are like, they're drowning in them. Mm -hmm. You can't quite see that that hip is kind of hiked or, you know, that shoulder is kind of hiked. So that one's a little more subtle. But if you, if you have your baby in just their diaper and you kind of look down, does, do they look straight? You know, that's a pretty Mm -hmm. easy one. Usually another one is to kind of keep an eye on if they are moving both arms and both legs symmetrically. So typically your little one who loves to turn towards the left, for example, ends up using that left arm more than the right because it's in front of their face and they kind of get stronger with that arm and get more coordinated with that arm because they're looking at it. Same with the legs, kind of one ends up kicking more while the other one kind of hangs out. So little kind of just details like that. And a flat head spot, I would say, is probably mm-hmm. is probably the other big one is if your kiddo has a really big flat head spot on one side of their head rather than the back, the the middle of the back of their head, usually that's a sign that there's some asymmetry and there's some kind of torticollis or, or head turning preference going on. Is there anything that we can do with our baby? Like when we put them down, like all of my babies, they would have like a little bit of a 
flattening on one side or the other. And we would always do these different things with them. And one of my friends would help me because this is what she does for a living and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Anyways. Love those is friends. There any- <laughs> yes. It makes things less expensive. Right. So when we put our baby down for like naps and bedtime and all of that, like, is there something that we can do if we notice, okay, we don't need to necessarily go running to the pediatrician or running to PT because we notice that there's a little bit of flattening. Like, is there anything that we can do when we put them down for naps or bedtime that will help to kind of stretch them out and like encourage them to go to the other side? Yes, with a caveat. So you can definitely, when you put your baby down, let's say for naps, see if you can alternate which way their head is turned. So you put them down and you kind of gently turn their head to the left. And then the next time they go down for nap, you gently turn it to the right. So you can try to directly intervene with that. And same with when they're awake, you can you sit with them and kind of help them track toys to the left and track toys to the right and kind of practice that that harder direction. I typically don't tend to mess with like the diaper, the changing table situation, because I think that makes mom's life too hard to try and mm-hmm. try and change the diaper in the opposite direction is way yeah. too challenging. So I don't mess with that part. But if you are putting your little one down, whether it's in a swing or a bouncer or on the floor, you can put them down in a direction where they have to turn their head in the harder direction to look at you. So let's Mm -hmm. say you're going to be on the couch folding laundry and you're putting your little one down in the middle of the living room. Put their head on that side where if they want to look at you, which usually they do, they have to turn, let's say, to Mm -hmm. to the right if they like the left Mm -hmm. or vice versa. So things like that, you definitely can. My caveat is typically because those preferences and those tendencies happen because there's tightness throughout the whole body. If you're going to do it that way, where I'm just going to try and attack this myself without going to PT, that's totally, totally an option. But you have to be extra careful, I think, about keeping an eye out for, let's say, once they start reaching, once they start rolling, that Mm -hmm. all of those things are really symmetrical. Because sometimes I hear and I see clients who are now, you know, eight months old, they're doing that janky crawl. And mom mm-hmm. says, oh, yeah, she did have a head turn preference when she was little, but I thought we resolved it, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. so it kind of goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally – that makes sense. Should we be proactively – okay, so say our child doesn't have a preference or that we notice at mm-hmm. all. Are we proactively, every time we put them down for a nap or bedtime, are we saying, okay, left side, you know, left head turn now and then right head turn? Or is that like too cra- – is that a too crazy thing to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Um, Well, yeah, I know. It depends on, it depends on your brand of craziness, essentially. (laughs) You can, you totally can. And could that be an awesome way to prevent any flat head spots? Yeah, sure. Uh, Do you have to? No, probably not. I think if you don't notice any strong preferences, then it'll typically work itself outwards just fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like, and I don't, and it's funny how you forget things. I mean, like I forget every single, you know, zero to 12 months for every single trial. It's so wild. You're just in survival Um, mode. I know. I feel like whenever I did try to turn them, they would just eventually in like 15 minutes turn back anyway. So it's like a really useless thing. (laughs) Oh, okay. So that's a really good, that's a really good point. If they always do that, that's a really great sign that they may have some tightness that keeps pulling them in mm-hmm. that direction, right? Because mm-hmm. if there's really no tension, they should feel equally comfortable. Right, on both sides. On both sides. Yeah. So if you're trying to turn them and they never stay, that's a really awesome kind of flag 
to say, okay, maybe we should kind of look into this. Mm -hmm. There are things, you know, like the turtle, for example, there's a cap that they sell where it kind of has like a a shark fin, I call it, on the Mm -hmm. back. And you can kind of flip it in one direction to keep their head turned and then flip in the other direction to keep their head turned the other way. There are things like that that can help keep their head turned Mm -hmm. the way you want it. And I actually don't hate those. Those can be those can be helpful for certain kiddos if you're specifically talking about the head shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we talked about a lot. Is there anything that you wanted to add to what we chatted about already that you don't feel like we touched on? I think one thing that I would love to kind of just mention is a lot of moms might be thinking out there like, don't kids just reach their milestones when they're ready? Mm-hmm. Like that type of sentiment. And why do we have to be so intentional and so purposeful, you know, about helping them do all of these things? And I think that is probably a big kind of pain point for me is the truth is it doesn't really happen on its own. It's never happened on its own. Nothing happens in a vacuum. If you could leave your kid in an empty room and they would reach all their milestones, then then I would say, okay, you can say that. It used to happen more organically. I think mm-hmm. I would I would give you that. But again, with everything we've talked about in terms of lifestyle, containers, sleeping on their back, all the things, I kind of argue that it is really important to to be intentional. It's a controversial, I think, view, right? Because you'll mm-hmm. hear so much out there, especially on Facebook, of course. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just let them get there when they're ready. But there's a lot of benefit to reaching milestones on time, not just for physical reasons, but for cognitive and social and language development reasons, right? Mm -hmm. So kiddos experience the world at the level at which they see it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if your 16-month-old is not really able to crawl or walk, and I've had clients like this, they're experiencing the world as as a six-month-old or as a seven-month-old. You know what I mean? In terms of in terms of the way that they encounter their world. And so what does that do for, for their brain development, for their language development, for their mm-hmm. visual spatial development, all of those things. So there is kind of something to be said for really trying to, there's no rush, but trying your best to kind of be intentional and guide your little one along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I want to ask you two questions that are unrelated to the topic. So the first question is, if you could give moms one piece of advice, what would it be? Personally, maybe I'm biased. <laughs> maybe I'm a little biased here. But I say find your tribe in terms of who are you going to ask advice from as a mom. Mm-hmm. So the Facebook threads are really are what come to mind and they kill me. You know, <laughs> they, 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 kill me. they pain me to literally <laughs> no end. So... Find your tribe, have a lactation consultant, have a, you know, a speech therapist, have a pediatric PT, uh, you know, whoever that when you have a question, go to that person. And to me, it's worth, you know, whatever that visit costs for that one hour, you know, consultation to get all of those questions answered so that you truly have peace of mind. Number one, that you got correct information, reliable information. You feel like you have peace of mind. You feel like you don't have to spend hours scrolling online, trying to find your answer. You don't have to trust these random people on Facebook. To me, that's just worth everything because then you can go spend those hours with your baby. Mm-hmm. So have your people, and and hopefully this is okay to say, but like, it's not usually your pediatrician, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Your pediatrician is amazing for so many things, but not these things. So have your people go to those people to ask your questions 
And then you can let it go and you can breathe and you don't have to worry and you don't have to wait and see and, you know, all of that. Because the advice out there is really, it's really rough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah, to piggyback off of that, I totally agree. Like, I think, obviously, I'm I'm all very biased about social media and I tr- I'm trying. I am definitely trying. I'm definitely getting better. It's been two years since I was off. And so I've definitely come to a a better view of social media than I had before. But it's still... <laughs> it's still way off center. (laughs) Like I'm still very uh, swayed negatively. But I do think we just live in in a time and place where everybody is an expert. And the expert can be somebody who has absolutely no training in what you're talking about. Or it could also be somebody who has training in something, but they're weighing in on something else that might seem like it's related, but it's not at all. And they're giving you wrong information. And, you know, The take home is that I just don't feel like you can trust anybody on social media. And I know that a lot of people have their businesses on social media, right? And like everybody I interview does because it's it's just the way you get your information out. But the reality is you don't know who is behind any account either. Like how do you know that – you know, mom and me PT is Marissa Aaron. Like, right. I don't know, right. you know, 100%. like it could be, you know, some other person. And Absolutely. so, yeah, I could not agree more. I think it is so important. I feel like we have done away with just having our personal tribe, like in our own life and mm-hmm. actually being close with those people that are more in your real life. So that could be like, you know, your friends, your family, and just anybody that you can talk to, you're going to feel so much less alone because you're talking with a real human being and not getting this like one-sided advice where you can't ask questions if you're viewing an account that's just giving you information and you're not having that two-sided conversation. You're just having that one-sided. It's like, how helpful is that? It's really not because it probably you probably actually have more questions after <laughs> listening or seeing whatever it was, right. right? Than you did to begin with. And then you're down a rabbit hole and then you've wasted hours. Of and life. you get five different opinions from the same Facebook thread exactly. or whatever it is. And then what do you exactly. do? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it is so toxic for moms. I always like social media in general, the fact that we, I can only imagine that it has played into an increasing number of mothers with anxiety and depression oh, because there's just too many options. There's too many opinions about everything and anything. Like there's literally, so much comparison. Yeah. There's an opinion about literally everything. <laughs> I, oh my God. I remember I put bunk beds in my kids' rooms and we like our house, it has like low ceilings. It's older and the ceilings are not very high. And so I put this bunk bed in there and yeah, there's a ceiling fan. There's a ceiling fan right next to the bed, yeah, right? It's okay. off to the side. It doesn't cool. go over the bed, <laughs> right? Right. But like I have my, I think he was like five at the time or something. And my son was up there and I remember somebody, well, actually quite a few people being like, I can't believe you would do that. Like, uh, why would you put uh, a bunk bed in a room with us? And I'm like, of course you they teach, did. You teach your child, <laughs> you're going to talk to your child about not, I don't know, putting their head into a ceiling. But like, I don't like, what is wrong? But I mean, everybody has an opinion about literally Everything, anything, and everything. There's an opinion, and here's the reality of it: none of it freaking matters. No one's opinion (laughs) matters than your own opinion, right? I I even get it. I am a I have a doctorate in this stuff. I specialize in those infant and toddler years. This is what I, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe. And I even have people who comment on my videos, like I'm talking about how to help with sitting. And people are commenting, you should never put a baby in a position that they can't get into themselves. <laughs> like, are you serious right now? <laughs> Did you have a great grandma to tell you that? 
No, but this is what I mean. Like everybody thinks they're an expert, right? Yes. And it's just wild because behind their their phone or their computer screen, they're able to be like these super knowledgeable, yes. you know, like what in every topic ever. And it's holy shit. I cannot like it's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And so bless you for still like producing <laughs> the content that people need. Like I, I mean, there's some people that I'm just so happy are still online. Like there's a couple, a, a couple that I followed like during the pandemic. And I'm like, I am so thankful for you that you have A, survived and B, are still continuing to produce content for those people that really benefit from it because the vitriol, like I can't even, I mean, I can't imagine because it happened to me, but like, oh my gosh. And and when it comes to medical advice specifically, people really love to weigh in. And it's Mm -hmm. like, wait a second, I'm sorry, what are your credentials? Their credentials are they had one kid 20 years ago. And as we just mentioned, it's impossible to remember anything when you're in survival (laughs) mode. So I don't want your advice, actually. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. Okay. So the last question is, if you could make one meal that's relatively quick and easy that everyone would eat, what would it be? I mean, I think this is super boring, but I tend to go for just like pasta with a chicken breast. Yeah. A little like butter, garlic, salt, Parmesan cheese kind of vibe. Mm, All right. I'll no. take that vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you putting butter on your pasta? Of course. Yeah, the butter and the yeah, – I like that. My kids are obsessed with butter on their pasta. The more butter, the better. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't do this. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm so anti like extra butter with pasta. I don't know what it is, but it's like – I still kids, have the palate of a, of a 10-year-old? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, you know, I'm eating Oreo ice cream sandwiches in the middle of the day. So I mean, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, All right. Well, thank you so much, Marissa, for taking time out of your busy schedule and day to talk to us today. I really appreciate you. Of course. This was so fun. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to motherhood meets medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.